Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I think each episode gets richer and fuller and more soulful as we go along. Uh, As always, it's really great for me to know how much you've been enjoying Soul Talk and how your lives are being touched. I love hearing from you, so please keep those emails coming, messages on Facebook, on Instagram. Please definitely keep sharing Soul Talk with all of your loved ones, downloading the episodes. I really appreciate your support. And it's just my vision and mission that uh, as many people as possible are inspired by the Soul Talk conversations. Today, I'm very excited about my guest today. I first read her book, maybe her book started probably about eight, 10 years ago, if not before. And uh, she is a New York Times bestselling author of Emotional Freedom, The Empath Survival Guard, uh, Positive Energy, Second Sight, which I really loved. That That's a book that actually helped me embrace more of my own intuitive abilities. And so I'm, I'm just thrilled. She's She's a visionary in her field. Uh, she's been transforming the face of psychiatry and medicine and just, to, I think, the way we look at healing uh, on many different levels. She has uh, been featured in New York Times and Old Magazine, Forbes, Newsweek, USA Today, Wall Street Journal. I mean, folks, the list goes on. She's been on Dr. R, CBS. I think she's a legend. I'm very privileged to have her on Soul Talk today, the amazing Dr. Judith Orloff. Welcome to Soul Talk. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be on your show. Yeah, it's great to have you. You know, as I said, I'm a huge fan. I actually saw you speak, I think it was quite a few years ago, uh, at, I think it was Agape, Agape Center, uh, years back. And I was just so inspired by just your realness and just sharing in in your journey. Uh, One thing I always like to do just for a short moment in the beginning uh, is just 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 to set a context on your journey. I would I would love to just hear a bit about, uh, especially for those that don't know your journey, a bit about just how did you get to be doing what you're doing as a doctor in psychiatry, transforming uh, psychiatry and you know bringing in intuition and empathy and healing modalities. I know you're you know you work with the UCLA psychiatric. Uh, you're on the faculty of the clinical faculty at UCLA psychiatric division. I'd love to hear a bit about your journey as to how you got started in this field. What was the journey? What, what, what prompted you to move into doing what you're doing now? Yes, that's a great question. Um, I just want to mention that I have a new book out. It's called Thriving as an Empath, and it's a mm. so cool self-care tools for empaths and sensitive people to um, not absorb the energy and emotion of others so that you know, empaths can have their power and intuition and depth and creativity. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's 
coming out right now, and I'm on a book tour. And I want to say that I'm a psychiatrist and an empath. And as Mm. an empath, what that means is that I have the attributes that I mentioned in terms of intuition. I feel very strongly about listening to your inner voice and connecting deeply mm-hmm. with that um, connection to nature. Empaths are often compassionate and intuitive and loving, um, but they have certain challenges where they don't mm-hmm. have the normal filters that other people have. Uh, and so they tend to be bombarded by a lot of energies of the world and they get exhausted by being in crowds or being around too much noise, too much light, too many people, um, and need to learn self-care tools and how not to absorb the world's pain or your partner's yes. stress or your coworkers' stress and become empowered to be able to shine with your empathy and your love and your goodness and your intuition. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what my mission is. And certainly with this mm-hmm. bookstore, it's about teaching people how to yes. thrive as an empath and not just be brought down mm-hmm. by the challenges of sensitivity. So let's jump right into it. Let's say someone listening in, that they're an empath, and I think there are quite a few folks that are sensitive, and maybe they don't like define themselves as that, but 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 perhaps you know they they have a difficult time with with a lot of the the stresses that bombard them, how can someone who is an empath or, or, or a highly sensitive person, um, I guess, firstly, how do they begin to, to even understand that they are that, know that, oh, this is what I am? Uh, is there a way that they can, is there an assessment, a way that they can assess themselves to understand, okay, this is what I am? And, and then how does someone who is highly sensitive uh, stop absorbing everyone's energy and the stresses of the world? Two questions in one there. Yeah. Uh, Well, in the book, there's a 20-question self-assessment test to determine if you're an empath. And this is very Mm -hmm. important to take because you can self-diagnose as an empath. It's not rocket science. And some of the questions include, have I been labeled as, quote, overly sensitive all my life in a derogatory way? Do I get drained by noise, crowds, or excessive talking? Do I like to take my own Mm. car places so I can leave when I please? Um, Mm. Empaths tend to get overwhelmed by social, too much socializing, so they have to learn how to set very clear limits and boundaries to protect their energy. Um, Do I tend to overeat to numb my emotions? Right. Am I afraid of becoming suffocated by intimate relationships? You know, very common for empaths who haven't learned how to set boundaries and say, no, I need my alone time. No, I don't want to sleep together tonight, you know, in in nice ways. But to be able to protect your space, um, do you sometimes socially isolate is another question. Do you replenish yourself in nature? Empaths often get very replenished in nature. And in Thriving as an Empath, I've divided the book into the seasons, the equinoxes, and the solstices to maximize, yeah, so that empaths can maximize their connection to the natural world um, and boost their energy by getting in touch with the rhythms of the earth and the Mm -hmm. sun and the moon. And that's not something that's usually talked about in terms of self-care books. 
And mm-hmm. for me, as an empath, my connection to the moon, my connection to um, the solstices and the degree of light in the sky versus darkness is key to my well-being mm-hmm. and my intuition mm-hmm. and my sensitivities. So I'm asking empaths to kind of develop an awareness of you know these phases yes. of nature you know, to maximize their own energy. Because the more you connect to the universe, the more energized and excited you're going to be. And so I, I loved writing this book. It's, it's really a day, day book. Each day there's a different practice to use for empaths. And mm. I love connecting it to the seasons and the, the moon um, because mm. sometimes empaths get overwhelmed on the full moon. You know, you're really sensitive. Right. There's so bright, there's so much energy coming at you. There's so much, you know, that's being awakened in you. You know, empaths can get mm. exhausted or anxious or depressed or, you know, restless and irritable. Mm. So it's important to be aware of how your body responds to the phases of the moon and to phases of light. So that's one fun aspect of the book and organically connecting to nature is an empath's forte. They love, love doing mm. that. Yeah. Are there any other ways that uh, 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 someone who's highly sensitive can sort of stop absorbing other people's energy in relationship or, you know, at work or especially with those that we love and feel deeply connected to? I think it can be be really hard as well to create that space or the boundary that you're talking about. What else can they do to to just not take it all on? Well, empaths often, yeah, they, they take on especially their loved one's energy. You know, it's easier mm-hmm. if somebody's more distant to set a boundary. But yes. with a loved one, it's sometimes more challenging. And so you have to ask yourself, first of all, is this emotion mine or another person's? No, that's mm-hmm. really important because empaths tend to take on other people's emotions. So if your partner mm-hmm. comes home with a lot of stress and your your back is suddenly tense or you suddenly get a headache mm-hmm. or you're exhausted... Most likely, your heart has reached out to your partner instinctively, as it does with empaths, and sort of tried to take their pain in your body to process it. And you might Mm. not think of it that way, but on an energetic Mm. level, that's what's happening. And you don't want to do that. It's a natural instinct, but you want to really, you know, realize we're each in our own lane, try and stay in your own lane. And you can be mm-hmm. supportive to your partner and hold space for him or her, but let them work through it. You know, let them, mm-hmm. I can't say how important that is to allow people the dignity of their own path. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that, that responsibility. You know, you just put up a, a thought for me. You're like, as a, is, is being an empath, is, is it something that you found people are just, born with like they're just born that way or is it a result of conditioning or or like what level is one or the other or is it both or is it a mixture yeah i go through that too in the book and it's it's interesting because some empaths are born that way you know the babies come Mm. out they're sensitive they're like little buddhas they're just you know their hands reaching up to the sky you know and the the hand reaching up the you know, the palm is a chakra, is an energy center, so it's a way to feel. You know, whenever a baby or anybody reaches their hand up to the sky, that's a major sign to me that they're an empath. Mm-hmm. 
they're looking to feel with their hand. And that's what healers do, mm. by the way. They feel with mm. their hand. And um, mm. so anyways, sometimes babies are born that way. Um, sometimes you learn the traits of empathy and empaths from your parents because they can be role models, you know, positive role yes. models if they're very empathic and know how to set boundaries and help you develop your empathy. That can be a positive thing. But also if you come from a neglectful environment or you were traumatized in any way or raised by an alcoholic or a narcissist, that can break down your defenses so that you become mm. an empath as a result of the trauma, basically. And so, you know, part oh. of in thriving as an empath, I talk about techniques to release the trauma, you know, which you can mm. do, but you have to be aware of it, first of all. And it could be, you know, simple trauma of just not feeling seen, or if the household was too noisy and chaotic, you know, which is very yes. uncentering for empaths. Or you could have been raised by a narcissist. That's a big theme in the book, you know, the toxic attraction mm-hmm. between empaths and narcissists. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you were raised by a parent who didn't have empathy because narcissists often have empathy deficient disorder. You see, so mm-hmm. it sometimes you could become an empath as a result of your normal boundaries being kind of broken down by the trauma of your environment. So it could be any of those things. Gotcha. Got it. And so on the journey of, of let's say, kind of individuating, absorbing less people's energy, setting some boundaries, I've kind of always had a question I think some people might 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 as well is, I, I think maybe it's a fear that people have too, in terms of how, how does one stay... I guess the word is caring, um, compassionate, but also set those boundaries at the same time. I mean, give me your yes. Your that's a there. great question. Oh, that the the secret to boundary setting is to be short, to be loving and firm, and not get into a confrontation with somebody. You know, so mm. you know, let's just say. You know, if somebody asks you to do something you don't really feel like doing, but you don't want to offend them. And, you know, you you can say, you know, thank you so much for the invitation, but I think I need to stay home tonight and just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Period. As opposed to, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't meet you tonight. Oh, I'm, you know, and they get, they get dramatic and apologetic and over, you know, excuse themselves. And there's just no need for that. You can just say no is a complete sentence is one of the days in the book. No is a complete sentence. It's a full day to practice that. Go around saying no in a loving and kind way. It's a beautiful thing, really. Mm-hmm. But empaths often don't know how to say no, so they get on sensory overload and then they get anxious yes. and depressed and exhausted. Mm-hmm. Got it. You mentioned not, not, uh, empaths, the connection between like empaths and narcissists a moment ago. Yeah. I'd love for you to share a bit more. Like, what, what is that connection, and why? Why do empaths tend to attract narcissists? And and you know, for, for those that might be in that cycle where they're constantly attracting narcissists, could you could you kind of break down a little bit of, you know, what is a narcissist? How how do we tell if someone is a narcissist before we 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 end up connected to them or in relationship with them? Uh, uh, well, there are lists. The list of you have to know the signs of a narcissist because they're all pretty similar and they're easy to diagnose. Mm. Um, but basically, they can 
be charming and funny and seductive and seem like the one, you know, you've met the one because they're so perfect Mm. um, until you don't do things according to their plan. And then they get Mm. cold, withholding, punishing, um, dole out crumbs instead of true unconditional love um, and, Mm. you know, are not really there for you emotionally because the full-blown narcissists have what's called empathy deficient disorder, which means they're not Mm. wired to have empathy. And so, you know, in the book I talk about how important it is for empaths to get this fact so they don't dive head on into a narcissistic relationship and take 20 years to get out of it. Because that's what happens over and over again. I've worked with so many people who've fallen in love, then they have children, and then, you know, it's really hard to disentangle yourself from somebody who can't Mm -hmm. give you what you need. And empaths, because they're so loving, you know, I mean, they're not perfect, Mm -hmm. but they're very loving people. They think everything can be healed with love. And Mm -hmm. in this particular case, if they're a full-blown narcissist, it doesn't work that way. And it's so hard for empaths to get that. That's why I have days, you know, meditations devoted to cutting the cord for a narcissist. Mm. You know, how do you do that? Mm. How do you say goodbye to a narcissist? How do you, mm. you know, co-parent with a narcissist? You know, these are kind mm. of, these are some topics that I've devoted particular days to in the book to help people with simple explanations and techniques and, and what to do. You know, and just mm. so it's you got to be aware of it and realize kind of yeah. the nature of the person you're dealing with. And I'm so sorry to tell everyone that <laughs> they have, you know, I, I have that, that they have empathy deficient disorder. I have a, a day, November 17th, which is just devoted to empathy deficient disorder. And I started <laughs> out with research has shown that some people demonstrate a lack of empathy. Like try and mm. get that. Full-blown narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths fall into this category. Sadly, their compassion hasn't developed or it has been inhibited from early trauma, such as abuse or for, from having been raised by narcissistic parents. And what I suggest for people is this intention. This is only one mm. technique, but this is good. I will not have false expectations of people who have narcissistic tendencies. I will not open my mm. heart to anyone who lacks empathy, no matter how seductively understanding they may first appear. Mm. That's, mm. that's a deep. very important mantra for empaths. That's deep. Could, could you repeat that again? Because that's, that's simple, but it's deep. Uh, could you just say that again so people can hear it? Yes. I will not have false expectations of people who have narcissistic tendencies. I will mm. not open my heart to anyone who lacks empathy, no matter how seductively understanding they may first appear. So can a narcissist, can they develop empathy? I mean, you know, because... As an empath, you know, maybe we want to believe in the humanity and the potential of a person and, and, and the goodness. And so, in your experience, can a narcissist, a true narcissist, can they change? Can they develop empathy? Can they become truly 
not active, but like truly empathetic? Or are you saying it's just we we should if we're in a relationship with an with a narcissist, we should really move on? Like, how do we navigate? If they're if they're they just have some narcissistic traits, yes, they can if they're willing to grow and own their mm-hmm. part in the relationship then mm-hmm. yes, there is hope. But if they're a full-blown narcissist, the research shows that their neurologic systems are just wired differently, so they don't have empathy, as you know. There's a di- they're a different mm. version of the human. So you can't oh, really wow. develop empathy. The only times I've seen narcissists develop empathy are if they are they happen to be lucky enough to be addicts and alcoholics and go to a 12-step program and begin to work the 12 steps, and one of the 12 steps is being of service to others. And so ah. they're, fo- they're forced into being of service to others, and that action in and of itself can open up their empathy. Gotcha. Yeah, it's powerful, but not... Beautiful. You know, if they come into me, as a, I'm a psychiatrist in Santa Monica, and if they come into me, and let's say the the man is, an empath and the woman is the narcissist. Mm-hmm, that narcissist mm-hmm. will always say it's his problem. She will never mm. say, yes, this is my part in this. So that's why mm. it's almost impossible to do psychotherapy with them. Mm. They always wow. blame the other person and lie and don't mm-hmm. take responsibility for their part in any interaction. So as part of thriving mm. as an empath and part of the self-care for sensitive people, you need to be aware of narcissists and develop a strategy for dealing with them. That's part of your self-care, very important part. Yeah, if you tend the to awareness. Be to them. Yeah, the awareness mm-hmm. and then the, the strategies. What do I do if, once again, I feel seduced by a narcissist? Mm. And, and, and what I'm hearing, too, is, is, is having a strategy and being discerning, Judith. It, 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 it's not not being loving or spiritual it's 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 really honoring oneself because i think that's where uh, i've noticed some empaths can get a little sort of tweaked it's like oh i want to be loving but 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 truly honoring oneself and setting that boundary and having that strategy so what what is what is the like what can they do what is the strategy because i'm imagining for instance let's say an empath guy or man or woman goes on a date and they, they're sitting down for the first time with someone that they obviously have never met, but they're a narcissist. What is, what is the strategy? So that well, we don't have to, you, let's say... If you can tell, it's one thing. If, if, like, how do you tell mm-hmm. if they talk about themselves the whole day? Don't oh, ask about you. Oh. Uh-huh. If you're just sitting listening, okay. empathizing, and being compassionate with <laughs> all this person's talking and issues mm. that's a bad sign mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. please be aware of that you want somebody who can ask about you yes it yes, seems simple yes. but you know you, you, you yeah. if the person's really seductive and intelligent and fulfills whatever uh, checklist you have and what you want in a in a relationship you know it's it's seductive so you've got to and to really be aware, and empaths need to, um, if they suspect it's a narcissist, let's say, they need to provoke a little conflict, you know, and then hmm. that, that helps. There's a, there's a what day do you on mean? What do you mean? Provoke how to provoke conflict. a conflict. That, that, you, yeah, um, that has me curious. 
Yeah, you you've got to, you know, you know, for instance, if the narcissist says, you know, we need to get together at 3 p.m. and I just have between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. and and that's it for you, you know, that's what I have, mm. the time I have available for you, you know, as opposed to, you know, let's get together and have a nice dinner. Um, mm. You know, you just say, you know, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not available then. And mm. they don't like that. You know, they don't, what do you mean you're not, not going to snap two for me? You know, so, wow. Wow. yeah, so just a little little conflict or, you know, just say, no, I, I would prefer going to the beach rather than going to a rock concert or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just asserting mm-hmm. your needs a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. they don't like that. They just don't like it. Mm-hmm. So then they respond by some sort of punishment. And it might be subtle. They might withdraw their attention for a few days. You might not hear from them, and then you're wondering, and you feel bad, and you. you So it works that you, you know, people work themselves up into a frenzy trying to decode narcissistic behavior. And my suggestion for that is, you know, if you're trying to decode too much of a potential partner's Mm -hmm. behavior, it's not working. You need to communicate. That's a that's a sign. Yeah, that's a sign. Yeah. That's a sign. That's called a sign, for sure. Yeah, but that's I, only one aspect of being an empath mm-hmm. is, you know, the the attraction that some have for narcissists, it's just something to be aware of. I want to stress that, you know, in the book I talk about many positive, beautiful, nurturing aspects of mm-hmm. being an empath, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you can develop in yourself. You know, I, I wrote a of section on the lightness of being and empaths tend mm. to be a little bit overly serious you know as oh, to yeah. yeah many sensitive people so this is an affirmation to connect to the lightness of your being i am light mm-hmm. as a feather i am carefree i am safe and protected i run like the wind i soar like a bird i flutter like the butterfly i am the sky and the stars i am at one with the universe I am grateful. I am watched over. I can smile. I am at peace. So Mm. as an anecdote to chronic seriousness, people can repeat this and stay in touch with Mm. the lighter side of their being and the essential spiritual Mm. lightness of of being, which Mm. is you. You're listening. And I know you have a lot of issues. Everybody does. But there's also a lightness to your being that's so important to get in contact with on a daily basis as a sensitive person. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything like uh, else that a sensitive person or an empath can do to, to just, uh, I guess, I, I don't, yeah, protect their energy, you know, to like, let's say going out into uh, being around a lot of people or, you know, being in a certain environment, loud noises. Is there anything you've noticed physically, mentally, spiritually, is there something people can do to, to protect their energy so that they're not as drained uh, technique that you can share? Um, yes, there's a, a beautiful um, shielding technique that you can use, mm. and it's picturing yourself being in a protective bubble as you walk in a shopping mall or you go someplace mm-hmm. with a lot of people. And it's a visualization technique of visualizing a bubble all around your body. And that allows positive energy in, but not the chaos, not the frenetic nature mm-hmm. of humanity, not the 
emotions that are swirling around in crowds that empaths often pick up. So you can mm-hmm. visualize the bubble. And also I have a, a day devoted to defining your personal space and playing with that. And so mm-hmm. each person has their own invisible energetic border that determines your comfort level. And that's called your personal space. And so when mm-hmm. that's violated, you can feel drained or anxious. So you need to know, you know how close can people get to you and you do you like it? Is it one foot? In my workshops, I have people just test it out with a partner. One foot, three inches, four feet. You know, you have to find out what that is and think about the number of inches or feet you prefer to keep during conversations. And Mm. so honoring your personal space, it's helpful if you're sitting in a waiting room or an airport. This is my personal space in airports. Um, I try and keep it really wide and open so if somebody sits next to me that i don't really care for their energy i'll just you know very gently quietly walk away if i could find another seat Mm. somewhere else in the corner somewhere which is where empaths love to go Mm. it's the corner Mm. or far away and (laughs) so i dishonor it you you, you'll physically move you'll honor yourself and actually stand up and actually move not just sit there huh You'll actually oh, no, I won't torture make... myself and sit there. But I also oh. won't give off, you know, angry, resentful vibes. Yes, yes. Which is oh, not helpful. God. You just notice, hmm, I'm not really comfortable with this person's energy. Just gather mm. your stuff and move with love. Don't make a big deal out mm. of it. Just, mm. you know, they, they're usually self-absorbed. They don't care, really. Yes, yes. They're not yes. thinking about you. They're thinking about whatever they're doing. Got it. Beautiful. How does someone, you know, uh, we're talking about em- being empathic, sensitive, becoming, you know, in tune, sensitive. To me, also part of that is our sort of intuitive ability, is being intuitive being as well, connected to being insensitive and in tune. Um, how does someone develop more of their, uh, not just empathic ability, but, but, but intuitive ability? Because I think we all have that, but in many ways, sometimes we shut that part of ourselves down. How do we develop more of that intuitive ability? And how does one, because there's so much noise coming at us that I think many times we, 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 we get confused within ourselves. So how do we then also discern between what is my intuition and what is just my, my fear or my conditioning? So we can truly, I think it can be compu- confusing between is this my intuition or is this just some fear that I'm feeling? And and so what's your thoughts there? Help, help us understand that. The intuition often comes through in a compassionate way or it's very neutral. It's just a flash mm. information that comes mm-hmm. through or it's a body sensation. Um, mm-hmm. Fear often has a very large emotional charge. Um, and whenever I sense something and I'm very triggered like that, I always question it as intuition as opposed to my issues being activated. So you have to look for the intuitions that are neutral and compassionate and offering solutions of some sort. Um, If ever you hear an inner voice that says you're, you're stupid and ugly and you'll never be able to succeed, that's not your intuition. (laughs) Mm, ever mm, mm, <laughs> you know mm, that, that's your gotcha. you know the low self-esteem issues 
<laughs> right. right. <laughs> mm, definitely. <laughs> For sure. But sometimes, you know, we think our, our intuition is telling us this is the one or, 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 you know, be with this person. And it really isn't our intuition. Maybe it's, you know, deep down is our, is our sort of unmet need, something inside that, that, that we're coming from need that is sort of almost hijacked our clarity. And so that, that's, that's the discernment I was, I was looking for. In, in, in yeah, that, in it's that a matter refining. of discernment. And, and also, yeah. you know, if you have a lot of, you know, sexual attraction to somebody, then all your, yes. your brain is on cocaine. It's just the, the MRIs that right. have been done with sexual attraction. It's like the brain on cocaine. So just know that you're mm-hmm. under the influence of a very intense drug, and you may not be seeing that person totally clearly. Mm-hmm. 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 You get to know gotcha. somebody over time. No, I know you might feel like you've known this person in a past life or they seem so familiar yes. to you. Now, all that, I, I get all that. But empaths really need to watch the behavior of others and see how they treat the parking lot attendants, see how they mm. you know, treat the waiter, see how they treat older people. You know, if somebody is a, has a walker and is going slow in a crosswalk, are they swearing at them? <laughs> you know, you, mm-hmm. you have to watch for these because it, you know, really shows a person's true nature. And, you know, over time you can see if someone's going to show up for you and if you're going to show up mm-hmm. for them or they're going to run or they're mm-hmm. going to give you crumbs like a narcissist or if they're really mm-hmm. interested in you and they're attracted to you. You know, not just for the first two days, but, you know, for if you're interested in a longer-term relationship as an empath, you need to have somebody who has some sort of emotional IQ so that they can talk to you and how you can express your empathic needs. There's sections on, yeah, you know, how to yeah. be with a partner. You know, what do you say if you want alone time and you don't feel like talking? You know, what do you say mm-hmm. if you're stressed out you know, and you have to take you have to take a bath. I had that with my partner in the beginning. He he couldn't understand mm. why I would take hour and a half baths. You know, I would <laughs> be in the bathtub forever. But that's my place of vision and right. relaxation. And he was waiting for me to go to bed. It was ridiculous. I just couldn't live that way. So I had to tell him that's not okay. You know, I just take really mm. long baths and don't wait, you know, please don't wait for me. Then I'll feel pressured mm. in my bathtub. Mm. So anyway, so we worked mm. it out. But you have to bring mm. these things up. and Yeah, communicate. Communicate. You have to have a partner mm. who can hear you at least somewhat, you know, yes. somewhat. Yes. Um, so that's mm. the goal if you can start afresh with somebody you know let's say you've been married to them for 20 years and now you've awakened and you're an empath now what do you do if they don't understand Mm. so Mm. you know that that's a different set of issues but you you lovingly educate them in a language they can hear so there Mm. there are all kinds of techniques i talk about in thriving as an empath but you know they're just this is being an empath 101 this book and what to do in yeah. a variety of circumstances that we all face and how to have self-compassion yeah. all the while. Don't beat yourself up. I love that. I'm curious how, about, about you personally in that, you know, you teach your, you know, I saw your speaking schedule and you're speaking, you know, in New York. I know you're doing an event in L.A. November the 2nd. You're doing all these 
you know, you're around people a lot. And, you know, especially doing the work as a healer that you are, um, you know, a lot of people look to you, I can imagine, and, and, and you know, reach out to you energetically, as I can only imagine. And I'm just, what, yeah, that can take a lot of energy, not just the teaching part, the energetic part of people projecting onto you. Yeah. I'm wondering how you, as a teacher, as an author, as a healer, it's kind of don't get so depleted by that energy as you teach and as you do your work and, and how you don't take on the energy. What do you, how do you manage that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I happen to love speaking about my work because it takes me so long to write books. So when they're finally mm. out, I'm just so excited to have dialogues with people in my book signings and workshops mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and help them. And use. I do usually do readings in these events where I use my intuition and I tune into audience members to help them a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with intuition. So I really love doing it. If I pace myself, and that's a big if. Okay. If I do too Mm. much, which I have done in the past, I just get exhausted. Um, But if I pace myself, like when I made my book tour schedule, I go out for a few days and I come home for a few days so I can replenish Mm -hmm. at home. And then I go out for a few days. So I really took time to think about that schedule. So I'm not overwhelmed mm-hmm. because I am not good when I do too much. If I go on sensory overload, it's really painful for me. And I might need a couple of days to be quiet and alone and to, un, you know, to come back to myself. So I don't want to get, I don't want to cross that red line. So, yeah. you know, I'm just very, I try to be very fierce about my time management, which is key and not to overcommit myself. That's, very key in in my well-being so if i do enough self-care i mean self-care is number one on my list in terms of what i do as an empath you know i practice Mm. self-care every day i have to Mm. Um, what do you do what's your self-care like i mean the hour and a half bath that sounds amazing that's one thing i do yeah Uh, but is it daily this book is called Thriving as an Empath, 365 mm-hmm. Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. So these are oh. the techniques. I use every single one of them <laughs> as much wow. as I can, wow. you know, wow. because it's my self-preservation. Like I just turned yes. randomly to a date in the book, Make Time for Silence. Silence wow. is so important for me. If I hear too much talking mm. or too much noise, I go crazy. I need to be mm. quiet. I need to, you know, be with the mm. universe and look up at the stars. I can't be too much of this material world. It will just drive me insane if I do that. Mm. You know, or mm. choose, I'm turning to another uh, practice in the book, choose contentment, you know, mm. and you know, if you have a choice of whether to worry or be, or rather than being in the now and choosing contentment, you know, be in the now and choose contentment. At any given moment, you know, life will keep hammering you with things. You know, if yes, it's not one thing, it's stop. another. So if you say, yeah. oh, I can't wait until this challenge is done, you know, <clears throat> you'll get something else. So that's just the nature There'll of life. There'll be something else. Yeah, so enjoy what you got as best you can, you know, instead of wishing mm-hmm. it would be over. So quickly yeah so i practice self-care i you know i practice it 
all the time. You know, there's one prayer mm-hmm. that I have here on April 10th, practice the Ho'oponopono prayer. And that's a big part of my self-care practice. That's a Hawaiian healing prayer where you're fully accountable, you know, if, for, for your part in any relationship. And let's say you're, if, I, if I'm with somebody and I'm judging them or if I'm getting triggered by them, you know, I'll look for that quality that irritates me the most about them and look yes. for it in myself and recite mm-hmm. the prayer to release the judgment about others. And the prayer is, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. No, I'm sorry for my fear. Please forgive me for being so fearful. I love you, meaning I love yourself. I love my spirit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, meaning thank you for the opportunity to be alive and and uh, work with my issues. Mm-hmm. So it's a great prayer. Beautiful. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And it's full accountability. It's looking for whatever irritates you and other people in yourself. Mm. And then guess what happens? You're not so irritated at the other person once you do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that ownership shifts the energy for sure. I yeah. love what you're talking about, you know, it, it, that, that subtitle of your book, you know, 365 Days of Self. I'm actually just noticing the subtitle, as you said it, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. And I think... Uh, that's that's a key, you know. That the self care aspect is is a huge component of 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 um, honoring yourself and being a sensitive. If you are a sensitive person, self care is, is is key. You know, Judith, uh, you 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 shared something that I hope you're okay. Just uh, just touching on a second because it got my curiosity. You said uh, sometimes when you you give lectures, you give readings, and I oh, know that got my attention. And sometimes you give readings. Hope it's okay to ask a question about that. And and so now I'm curious. Give this is intuitive readings. Are you you so you're you're reading stuff about people, seeing stuff about their futures, where they're at, and you know how does that how, how does that how does that work? You know because I know there might and I'm a believer, obviously, but I'm, I am curious, not considering myself psychic in any way i'm intuitive in some way but never considered myself to give readings and so when you give readings are you are you hearing things downloading things seeing things about that person how much of that is your stuff as the reader how much of that is true is is are you seeing their destiny are you you know i mean how do they have free will in that is what you're seeing the way it's going to be. How does that work? Well, hopefully none of my stuff is involved with the readings. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been, you know, I've but been sometimes trying, readers project. So. I, I know it's a, it's yeah. a problem. If the, if the intuitive isn't working with their own issues, then, yes. you know, they project all kinds of stuff onto other people, which is a problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been doing this for so long. You know, I'm a psychiatrist, and I use my intuition with all my patients. So, and I've been doing mm. it, you know, for over 20 years. So I'm really used wow. to it, and I'm really comfortable wow. with it. And I use it in my workshops where I'll be talking about a topic, and suddenly I'll my head will just move 
and my attention will mm-hmm. go to a person in the group, and they could be 300 people in the back row, and my attention will go to that person. And I'll be called on to say something, and it's usually related to the topic I'm talking about, to help guide the person with mm-hmm. that particular issue. And so, wow, you know, it's it's that's how I do it. And, you know, people usually say it's really helpful. Um, and in terms it's- of... Uh, you know, a, a responsibility or, you know, I always ask the group, you know, I tell them I, I sometimes do these spontaneous readings and if they don't want to be read, just let me know because I don't care. I'm not at all invested in doing the reading. I just do them. It's just the way I've always worked, you know. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but if someone doesn't want to be read, I could care less. It's really, you know, mm-hmm. namaste. It's just what comes through me. I just want to be helpful and yes. I help people, you know, I'm really good at helping people if, you know, they're blocked with something. And I'm right, really good at right. seeing what can help unblock them, you know. And mm-hmm. that's often all a person needs is just a little bit of clarity and they're, oh, wow, yes. okay, now I know what to insight. do. Insight. Mm, some insight, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so did this just start happening to you one day like you were speaking and boom it came through was it something you were born with start happening as a teenager as a kid uh or you were just on stage and just your head started moving and when it (laughs) did start happening because it's fascinating and 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 and, you know you're a psychiatrist this usually the, the sort of you know reading part i don't know many psychiatrists that are giving readings judith so this is kind of unique and so i'm wondering also how you know your medical you know ucla and your medical community colleagues view this dimension of what you do which i think is amazing and so tell us yeah i mean i think the old family practice doctor and you know what they would all say you know i listen to my intuition i listen to my body i listen carefully to what my gut is saying with with patients so it's not, you know, anything unusual for physicians. I think, you know, in the old days, but I think, you know, they would call it, you know, gut feeling or intuition. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't use the word readings. You know, I'm not at all attached to any terminology. So, you know, the gut mm-hmm. feeling is fine. I don't ever use the word psychic. I always use the word intuition because the word psychic is too charged. And plus, I don't do psychic readings. I just use my intuition. When when, when you're an empath, I'm an empath, and so I've been an empath since I've been mm-hmm. a little girl. And with some empaths are intuitive empaths, where their intuition just wants to come out, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. highly attuned, and it needs honing, and it needs practice, but it really just wants to come out. And that's how mine was. Um, you said you read Second Sight, which is my first book, but I, I tried to squash mm-hmm. my intuition you know, and as a teenager, because, you know, I felt so alone and ashamed of the things I was picking up and I didn't know know how to how to process it, you know, which is common with many intuitive empaths. And so I had, and, and part of integrating my intuition as in my psychiatric training as part of my healing path is integration, not separation. And so, you know, there's just part of being a healer and I, give uh, workshops for healthcare practitioners on how to bring intuition and being an empath into patient care. You know, I have 
You could go to my workshop schedule on drjudithorloff.com. I'm giving a workshop in New York, October 26, 27. For anyone interested mm. in healing and healthcare and how how to access these these abilities. So my healing path has been, you know, integrating all of this. And I didn't know. I, I didn't speak for much of my career. I was in private practice, and I just saw patients in my office. And it wasn't until I wrote my first book, Second Sight, that I went out in public mm. and actually spoke. I never had any speaking experience whatsoever. And that wow. first night of the first book signing where the crowd, actually 250 people came to my very first book signing ever. Which wow. Thank, wow. thank spirit for that little boost. Amazing. You know, amazing. I, I know, it's a, totally amazing. And I just, you know, started <laughs> doing the readings as part of the, you know, part of the book signing. And I'm as surprised wow. as anyone else that that came out so naturally. But it's just always been with me ever since I first started speaking. So it's, it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. mm. fascinating. I'm so fascinated. Uh, you mentioned you teach healing in seminars and we'll, we'll definitely be putting all of your info, folks, if you're tuning in. By the way, I'm interviewing Dr. Judith Orloff, her new book, Thriving as an Empath, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. Um, and so you mentioned that you, you teach healers how to, 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 you know, to tap into uh, these, the, the, their healing capacities. And just, I'm just curious, like, what, what, is, what is the key to being a good healer? Um, the ability to set your ego aside and allow yourself to be a vessel for you know, the power of healing and love to flow through you, probably. You know, mm, that's the most I important thing. Yeah, if the ego's involved, forget it. You know, it won't work. I love that. Or it will come out love. in some distorted way. Um, but mm. I just want to mention I'm having a book signing in Los Angeles November 2nd at Mystic Journeys mm-hmm. Crystal Galleries in Venice. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a space that's inhabited by large crystals. I mean, as big as you are. Mm. And so the book signing will be people and crystals in the space and me mm-hmm. speaking about mm-hmm. <laughs> and my, thriving mm-hmm. as an empath. So it's going to be a really fun experience. It's at 3 p.m. free. It's going to be amazing. November 2nd, um, 3 p.m. And I invite mm-hmm. everyone. And also October 22nd, I'm going to be at Romans in Pasadena at 7 p.m. for those of you who live out in Pasadena. Wonderful. If there were, if there were as, we, as we begin wrapping up, Judith, this has been a, a really amazing conversation. And just, just thank you for coming on and your generosity and just sharing your love with everyone and your, and your wisdom. If there were three key life lessons that you would, you know, you've shared a lot today, but if there were like the most important life lessons you've learned throughout your life that are the most valuable, but if you could pass this to the next generation, the children of the next generation and their kids, what would those three key life lessons be? Um, Honor your intuition. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. And Mm. empathy is the most precious quality in the human spirit. And develop it as much as you can. Mm. Got it. Honor your intuition. Empathy. Beautiful. And uh, what's, what's, what's the best website people can find out about your work if people wanted to? I know you shared uh, just a moment ago, but if you could just share this, if people want to find out about your work and folks, I, I invite everyone listening in 
I think Dr. Judith Orloff is amazing and want to encourage everyone to check out her work and her, her, her new book, Thriving as an Empath, her other books as well. Second Sight was one of my favorites. Emotional Freedom was another amazing one. But I'm really excited, actually. I know your new book is, is coming out right about now, Thriving as an Empath. And so where can people find about your work and about your life events that you have coming up in New York? And November the 2nd, I know you said Los Angeles Mystic Journey Bookstore. If I'm around, I'll be there. Uh, where can people connect with you? Um, well, my website is dr. Dr. Judith Orloff, O-R-L-O-F-F dot com. And um, there, I'm giving away all these free gifts um, with the book mm. launch. So you could go on my site and, you know, get the, all the lots of free <clears throat> videos and and audios and all kinds of things. And I also have an empath survival guide online course that you could learn different aspects of being an empath, a video course. And um, mm. my workshop schedule is there. I'm going to be, you know, going around to you know various states and um, Portland. I'm going to be at Renaissance Books in November, Seattle East West Books, San Francisco um, East West Books, Book passages, Sebastopol, Copperfield. So I'm, I'm going to be around, but my schedule is mm. for a while, not forever. <laughs> and I'm going to take a break. <laughs> yes, take a break and a long bath, a long bath. Right, a long bath, make a two-hour bath. <laughs> a two-hour. You you fully deserve it. I'm actually looking at your schedule right now, folks. You can check out uh, about Dr. Judith Orloff's schedule, drjudithorloff.com. And she has an event tab. Go there. Check out her lecture schedule. I mean, you, she she wasn't kidding. I mean, she's in New York and uh, Big Sur and San Francisco and Pasadena, I see coming up, and uh, Venice and Mountain View. And I mean, just it's exciting. Portland. And, you know, I just, I would love to meet you, uh, give you a big hug at one of these events. So Aww. I look forward to, to checking you out. I'll come say hi, folks. Check out Great. her work. Thriving as an empath. Dr. Judith, Judith Orloff, thank you so, so much for just being a part of Soul Talk. You know, I've long admired you, so it's just a joy, honor to have you here today. Just thank you for being you. Thank you for doing, you know, having the courage to do the work that you have over these last years and sharing your gift to the world. Just know you've blessed me and I'm, I'm sure many others. Folks, I told you this was going to be an amazing uh, interview. I would love a few things. Check out uh, Dr. Judith's uh, website. Uh, go check out her event. Make sure you get her book. Also, uh, send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to know your key takeaways from today's episode. And uh, share this episode with your friends. Download it, subscribe, share it with your friends, post on social media. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Love now, everybody. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs 
and love now.